Welcome to Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark, your internet radio home for all things champions indoor football. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, as well as the director of operations of the CIF, as he brings you the news and notes, as well as player interviews, coaches, and owners of the CIF. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. And welcome into Inside the CIF. It is me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio as we are set in champions indoor football to move forward into week number 11. And folks, all the teams are in action this weekend on Saturday night. It is a big one as every team will you know, have something in line here tonight as we are here on a Saturday afternoon checking out what's going on in Champions Indoor Football. Folks, let's just let's just uh, address the elephant in the room. I'm as big as an elephant, but I, I tried something different on Inside the CIF and definitely missed and uh, the. The message was loud and clear that we didn't get a lot of coverage on the north side, and that, that part partially is true. Um, and so what we did is we decided to nix the uh, doing the video, but although we've got some people that are going to be doing the video, and I'll be looking for that video that they'll put up, and I'll post that over on Champions Indoor Football from the fans. Now, I want all the fans to do it, but keep a couple of things in mind when you're going to do that for us, okay? First of all, keep it clean, guys. I mean, we, we don't need any nonsense going on back and forth uh, by uh, taking it one step that it doesn't need to be taken. And then, you know, be respectful of the other team. I, I want to see these videos. I want to see folks get up there, cheer on their team, but degrading, belittling, and everything else of the other team, that will make it to where we won't post it, okay? So if you keep it clean, don't degrade the other team, and have a good time with it, I'm going to get it, and I'm going to post it up. It's good to see that the fans want to do it after I so easily, you know, completely blew that. You know, not only that, I got a big hole in my head. If you looked in the video on the right-hand side, I got a hole in my head. Um, so, and, and never mind, I've got a face for radio. That's, of course, what we've been doing for a long time. So, uh, everybody do it. It should be an out-of-sight thing to see the fans out there getting their viewpoints and things taken. And we will put it up there on the Champions Indoor Football uh, Facebook page. And that will be a lot of fun. I know it will be. Now, that having been said, also, last week, what a week. And and I say what a week because it was, we only had four games. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. And we had all kinds of things happening in these games. So let's jump to Saturday's games on April 29th as the Omaha Beef went on the road to take on the Salina Liberty. Now, in the first half of this game, it was an out-of-sight game. It was 16-10 to 10 going in at halftime, uh, but the Liberty could not get up on the board and score. The Beef scored 10 in the third frame and then uh, 6 in the fourth frame for the Beef uh, but Salina was only able to get seven points in the second half. Now, 
we're going to talk about some games that scored some big-time numbers, uh, but only scoring seven points in the second half of a game, especially indoor football, that's definitely going to put a target on your head as far as being in the loss column. And that's what ended up happening with Salina. They ended up in the loss column uh, with this one by three, but it was still a close game as the Omaha Beef got a 26-23 victory in that one and Salina. So uh, Salina unable to do it on their own home football field. But I'm going to tell you, in this game, when you looked at the statistics and you saw the first downs, 12 to 10 in favor of Omaha that tells you that the defense was playing good on both sides of the ball or a combination that the offense just wasn't really in sync as the you know let's take a look at those numbers as we look at Jermaine he was 8 of 23 71 yards and two interceptions no touchdown passes for German in the game for Salina but running the football, German, nine rushes, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Terrence Lowe, two rushes, 18 yards. Ed Smith, four rushes, 17 yards. Stacy Howard with two catches for 26 yards and a touchdown there. Uh, Tracy Brooks, three catches, 25 yards as well. On the other side for the beef, Chuck Wright, 14 to 32, 161 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Joe has 11 rushes, 27 yards, no touchdowns. He had... Uh, uh, Antonio Fickens with two rushes win the yard and he got in for the touchdown rushing the football. Now Skyler Scott, six catches, 73 yards no touchdowns, but Jordan Boykin four catches, 61 yards and he got the touchdown. And those were the big things when you looked at this game not a lot of things going on uh, as far as uh, offense was concerned. So uh, tackles were lost. The, uh, the football team uh, Omaha Beef had two tackles for losses for six yards, and the Salina Liberty had six tackles for loss for 21 yards. So looking at that as where it ended up, two interceptions for the Beef that made a big difference in this game as well. So looking at those stats and seeing how this one ended up, there weren't a lot of points scored in there as it was only 49 points scored total in the game so uh an interesting game that was uh the omaha beef taking on the liberty then you had the ironman uh, trying to get a two-game sweep against the, the sioux city bandits and the bandits got that victory 53 to 37 uh led by you know at the halftime was a great score it was 27 20 in favor of the bandits uh but the bandits uh took over that fourth quarter 20 points scored in that fourth quarter outscored the michigan iron uh west michigan ironman 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter that turned out to really really be the difference in the game at the end of the game in the fourth quarter let's take a look at some quick stats on there as tyler gassier 7 to 16 77 yards and a touchdown pass dominique carter uh, Carson, eight rushes, 54 yards, three touchdowns. Jeffrey Mack, 11 rushes, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Frederick Bruno, four rushes, 23 yards, and a touchdown. And Tyler Gassier, two rushes, six uh, yards, and a touchdown. Jeremiah Oates, two uh, catches, 33 yards, and a touchdown for the receiving side. One catch for 18 yards for Marcus Miles for the Sioux City Bandits. And uh, Jeremiah Oates, the West Michigan Ironman. Alex Carter, 17 of 32, 208 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 
uh, rushing the football. Corey Ringer, 15 rushes, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Mark that, two touchdowns. Alex Carter, nine rushes, seven yards, and a touchdown. Campbell, five catches, 77 yards. Uh, Corey Johnson, three catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Looking at those numbers, that are good. On the defensive side of the ball, the defensive stats for the Ironmen, they had five tackles, uh, four losses for 11 yards, um, and about three pass breakups. Looking at the other side for the Sioux City Bandits, the Sioux City Bandits had a total of five tackles for loss, 13 yards, and forced uh, fumbles, one forced fumble for them, uh, and an interception with the 13 yards and six pass breakups. So Sioux City on the defensive side of the ball was having a big, big time uh, production on the defensive side of the ball in that game. So that one was a good one as well. Then our attention turned to Sunday where there were two games on Sunday and the Phantom and the Law were going at it. And this one came down to, uh, you know, right to the end, 62 to 61. The Law get the victory over the Phantom um, and in a little bit of overtime. And that's what it was all about. A uh, good game there. I got the opportunity to watch that one over on Eversport TV after it got posted. So that one was a real good one. Let's take a look at Derek, uh, Derek Bernard, who just joined that team, who came from the Nebraska Danger of the Indoor Football League. He was 13 of 24, 134 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. He also rushed the ball 17 times for 127 yards and five touchdowns. So a uh, dual threat, obviously, throwing the football and using his legs as well. Anthony Parks, seven catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, O.J. Simpson, two catches, 13 yards, and a touchdown. And Jared Elmore, two catches, 42 yards. Um, however, Kansas City let him go as he went ahead and he got released, and then he signed with the Sioux Falls Storm. On the other side, the Dodge City Law, uh, Rudy Johnson, 23 of 35, 291 yards and three touchdowns. This guy is becoming a very, very uh, stable quarterback for the law as Bernard, you know, they, Bernard got to face his old team before he went to the Nebraska Danger. He was sitting there with the Dodge City Law. So advantage law, I don't know. But if you're going to figure out how to get to a guy, you know, Sean Ponder, you know, he had the, I think he might have had the advantage there. Noel Phillips, as far as rushing the football for the law, 12 rushes, 35 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, looks like Kameli Matthews, one rush, three yards, and a touchdown. Rudy Johnson also used his legs, um, and he got in for two touchdowns as well. Receiving D Daniel McKinney, seven catches, 110 yards, and three touchdowns in this one. Phillips, uh, six catches, 49 yards, three catches, 36 yards for Vincent Two catches for uh, Deadweiler uh, for 35 yards. That was what you were looking for as far as the offensive stats. Defensive stat, the law, they had a pretty good game as they had four tackles for losses, 15 yards, a forced fumble, and uh, the interception. They got 48 yards uh, on the return for touchdown pick six. So uh, Ricky Wyatt with 10 uh, total tackles for them. On the other side for Kansas City, uh, Stephen Franklin, he had 13 total tackles along with Isaac Wright. He had 10 uh, tackles in the game. Uh, a sack also came to Brandon Jenkins. Um, lots of tackles for yards in this one. Seven tackles for losses in this one for Kansas City. Well, forced out a fumble as well and uh, did, not get any, uh, did not get any interceptions, but they had eight uh, pass breakups 
And on the other side, uh, the law had uh, seven pass breakups themselves. So this one came down to overtime, and it was an exciting game. Get on over to Eversport.tv and watch that one. That one was good. And in the shootout that happened at the Allen Event Center in Allen, Texas, as the Venom went on the road to take on the Texas Revolution, darn near snuck out of the Revolution's a building with two victories this year. However, it was a missed field goal, uh, extra point by the Venom in overtime, and the Revolution got the touchdown and got the uh, extra point, and then they just had to hold them off to where they could not get a touchdown or a field goal, and they went ahead and got that victory as a field goal attempt uh, sailed a little bit right uh, in that one. So, um, unfortunately for the Venom, they couldn't get that victory, but 191 points scored in that game. That was incredible as far as those numbers were concerned. Uh, looking at a lot of other things, we're going to talk a little bit more in this show here about some of the things that we saw out on the football field. We'll get to more stats and things of that sort um, as we move forward in this edition of uh, uh, Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. We'll be talking about the players of the week. We'll be talking to some other guys. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's going on as far as our guests are concerned. Um, and we're going to bring on one of our guests here in a moment, but we'll talk about the other two that are going to be on here. Players that actually going to be up on the show, the quarterback of the Bismarck Board Bucks, uh, Jonathan Baines, going to join us as well as, um, you know, it, it depends on where you look at it, what position that he plays, but King Lobbin of the Sioux City Bandits, you know, he's going to join us as well. But our first guest, we're just going to hop right in it and bring him on because I'm going to tell you there are a lot of owners out there that are making, you know, doing a great job. And this guy coming in at his second year uh, has been amazing um, because when you look at where he came from, and we're talking about the uh, Bloomington Edge, and Omar, I'm going to tell you right now, has done a great job up there in Bloomington to get the the community involved and start getting people going to the stadium. Omar Kokar has done a great job up there. So let's do that. Let's talk to Omar Kokar. And welcome back into Inside the CIF. I've got online as we're going to keep it on the north as I've been kind of taking a beating about the south. But we're at the north now, and we are going to be talking to a guy, uh, his team, sitting right now, second place, five and three, the owner of the Bloomington Edge. Now, Omar, I, I kill your name every single time, so I'm just going to let you say your name. It, it, it's Omar. What is it, Omar? Omar. Omar Kokar. You got it. Tokar, I, I was close. Tokar. All right, so we got Omar online. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your team. Uh, you're five and three. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about last year uh, compared to this year because last year you had a different team, different coach, but uh, still had the same goals. I mean, you were a team that snuck into the playoffs last year um, and had some success without question. Uh, now you're sitting right there in playoff contention, you know, looking pretty good at five and three. What is the difference? I mean, you got two different coaches now, but uh, is there any difference from uh, last year to this year? Well, that question, I think, Coach, this might have brought a defensive intensity to our to our team, where you know it's it's uh, it's tough to score, and 
that's not always yes. the case in indoor football. And uh, I think, you know, I'd look at the stats from, from yesterday. I think, I think that we're the number one defense in the league in terms of points allowed. Um, we've had a couple games where we've um, held them to 20. I think the first game we held them to 20, and then our last game we held them to 13. So yes. if you look at the rest of the league and what's happening, especially in the South, um, those point totals are, are pretty striking. So, and you think that's the difference between your coaches? You went a different direction. Uh, your uh, coach uh, went a different direction. You bring on uh, a guy who has played this game over in China also. Uh, we're talking about Amir Ishmael. This is a guy that really puts, you know, uh, a player perspective as a coach and is able to teach. I think it's something that's really good and with the younger guys as well, I imagine, right? Absolutely. I mean, this day and age, you've got to be able to relate to your players. Um, you know, you've got to have a degree of an emotional and social intelligence to get them to buy into the scheme and to buy into the, to the game plan. And, and Coach Ismail's record speaks for itself. I mean, like you said, he played recently, but uh, the last two seasons where he's been defensive coordinator, he's had top defenses in the league, and that's something that we obviously – took into consideration where, you know, Bloomington's always had a good, strong defense, you know, for the last three or four years. And so that's something that we wanted to carry forward where, you know, we just want to make it hard to score. And if you can't score, it's hard to win. And along with the ball control offense that Coach Miller has, you know, it's uh, the old uh, tried and tested rule. You can't score if you don't have the ball. So so I think those, um, those um, that approach is, is, is working which is a little bit different or unusual for indoor football. You know, it's kind of a, a pinball approach sometimes to indoor football. Yes. Um, even, even within our own league, we see a lot of going back and forth of scoring. But uh, our approach is a little bit different, and so far, you know, it seems to be working. And uh, I think we're in, a, we're in a good position. We've created a good launch pad for, for what might happen in the last, uh, you know, quarter of the season. Definitely. You got, your team's on the road taking on the Ironman, you know, a team that was the – team that you were last year, a team that actually was in existence but was an expansion in the league, you know, so you get to go over to their hometown, and uh, you've been up there before as well. I think I think you were on the road playing them once you get another shot at them up there. You know, what do you think they're going through as far as their terms of, you know, going from one thing, uh, one league to the next? I mean, you're experienced in that big time from going from the AI up into the uh, champions indoor football. Absolutely, and there is a learning curve for sure, just in terms of on the field uh, schemes, rules, but then also off the field, sort of learning the ropes of a new league. And I think they went through that, but uh, earlier on. But they are an extremely well-run organization with a with an excellent coaching staff, with great skill players, and and they're coming on strong. I mean, um, they yes, they, they uh, handed Sioux City their first loss, I think, a couple weeks ago, and they had a close game last week in Sioux City, so. So, uh, so they're they're an excellent team. They're well disciplined, and we have our work cut out for us uh, on the road because they've got good crowds in there, and so it's a challenge for us to be sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Bloomington. I'm I'm a, a resident, uh, you know, well, not resident there, but Peak and Peoria, all in that area where I grew up. Um, but that was years ago. How is it getting out in the community? How is your expansion? I see what you're doing, which I think is wonderful, by the way. How is that playing within the community and in order to get people into the stands? 
Well, it, it, to, to be short, it's working. You know, it, last year it was really about getting our brand back out there, kind of you know putting a fresh new um, transmission in the, into the car and creating a brand and a product that the community can be proud of. When they come out to the games, they see that it's a professionally run team and organization. And I think that word has spread. And now this year, we're looking really to expand into the community. And, and it's a two-way street. We really, really feel here in Bloomington that, you know, the community supports us. We support the community. It goes around and around. And, uh, and ideally, it's a win-win for everybody. And so that's where all of our, all of our um, efforts are really focused on, where, you know, how can we provide something good for the community? How can our players be role models both on and off the field? For all the young kids in the community who, who, um, who, 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 who sometimes need someone to look up to, and so that's why we really focus on getting out in the community, getting out to restaurants, interacting with folks. Um, the latest thing that you've probably seen is really trying to bridge a relationship between the community and law enforcement, which, as you know, yeah. in our current um, uh, you know political climate, uh, I think it's just it's critical that uh, young kids know that law enforcement. Is, is, is their friend, is their ally, and they're there for a reason. And I think the program that we've started with the Golden Footballs will create some lasting memories and impact for those kids as they get into their teenage years and early adulthood. I want to explain that. I was actually going to jump into that. Where did the idea come from? And you're talking about Golden Footballs. Give me an idea what, what you're doing with that program. Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but uh, I do have to credit <laughs> one, of our, one of our partners, for, for the brainchild, and then obviously we we um, expanded off of that. But in, in short, um, we've teamed up with a local great community partner, Busey Bank, to come up with this golden football program in which these small golden footballs are distributed to law enforcement agencies within uh, McLean County, which is where Bloomington is located. Um, yeah. What they do is as they're doing their patrols or interactions or going out to schools, if they see a child being a good citizen or obeying the law or doing something – you know, um, that that's worth rewarding, they hand that child a golden football. And then that child that holds on to the golden football, they can bring that into our May 20th game for a complimentary ticket to our game that day. And I like the concept of law enforcement being in a position to reward, whereas generally speaking, their default is to, um, is more punitive to punish or to catch somebody. But in this case, it's more hate you're doing something right, we're going to reward you for doing something right. And I think that's going to be 10 times more effective as a deterrent than it is to punish somebody. Absolutely. And it's a good program. When I read about it, I was like, you know, yeah, it, obviously they're not driving around the streets pulling someone over just to give them a football. Uh, they're, they're out there actively looking for a positive within the community. And that within the light of the police officers doing a positive thing, Hopefully I could spread around. So a great idea that you got going on. And with you, I find it kind of different for you. Your positioning, you're, you're really in between two spots. You're in between Chicago, St. Louis. You know, if you want to count Springfield as a big metropolis, my brother's lived there for 30 years. Believe me, he doesn't think it's a big metropolis. But that having been said, it, it, you know, trying to spread it around to people that normally wouldn't get it because – you know, to see that kind of, are you hoping to expand it into uh, different markets? Oh, without question. I mean, we, we've really, 
made it a point this year to let folks know we're the only indoor football team in Illinois. Uh, that hasn't been the case. I mean, there's no team in Chicago. There's no team in Rockford. Peoria doesn't have a team. And so if you want indoor football in Illinois, we're it. And we're centrally located, like you said, yes. between St. Louis and Chicago. You've got Peoria, Decatur, Springfield, Champaign, all within 40 minutes. And we have season ticket holders from Decatur and Champaign who come to every game, and we're thrilled to have them on board. And so there's plenty of room for expansion to to build a market for for what we're what we're advertising and what we're doing here, and um, and so yeah, we're excited. There's just a lot of potential. Let's talk a little bit about Champions Indoor Football. As you um, explain a little bit about you're not just an owner of a football team. If I'm not mistaken, you're on one of the committee uh, committees uh, within Champions Indoor Football. Uh, let them know about that committee and how uh, and how that's going for you. Well, you know, with a league of our size, it's important for all the owners to to pick up and, and contribute in uh, in meaningful ways, and so. Um, this past year, I served on the scheduling committee, which can sometimes be a, a thankless position. Um, yes, <laughs> but um, but it is a, it's an important thing. You know, we try to try to make things fair and balanced as best as possible with the arena dates that we have, and, and that's something that you know it does take time. But again, it's important that we all contribute in a meaningful way, whether it's the compliance committee, the um, executive committee, uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, happy to help and happy to be part of it. Now, were you a part of trying to reschedule what happened with the loss of a couple of our teams within the league, or are you uh, that moving forward? Uh, I was part of the rescheduling part of that. Um, you know, there's some and, and things that do me a favor because we got a lot of fans that don't understand uh, what had to happen and how to schedule that whole thing. Let people know what, what your whole, you know, you know, role in that was in trying to get that done. Sure, sure. So, so the way a schedule starts, and this is any level, whether it's NFL or CIF, is we first have to have dates from the arenas, and so that's the first thing that we have to get on the board. Once we have the dates of the, the dates where all the arenas are available, then we have to divide according to division, according to week, according to home and away rivalries. And uh, we try to do things as best as possible to make it, um, you know, as regional as possible. It doesn't make sense for Albuquerque, Duke City to go to Michigan. It doesn't make sense for Centex to go to Bismarck. So we try to, we try to create two conferences, North and South, to minimize that type of crossover um, but at the end of the day it is challenging sometimes with the with the dates that we're given we try to make it right. as equitable as possible but it is a jigsaw puzzle you move one thing you got to move it around and you know uh, my counterpart from the south Doug Bland out of Dallas him and I had an excel spreadsheet in real time that we would just uh, stare at about every hour <laughs> looking for different permutations <laughs> and looking for things to sort of pan out right and um, when, when teams are in flux, when teams drop, you know, it's kind of like a Jenga puzzle. You know, you pull out a brick block and part of the tower collapses and you just try to rebuild it and get it to a finished product. Definitely. Real quick, I knew it online here with Omar Kokar out there, one of the owners, well, actually the primary owner of the Bloomington Edge, along with your wife. Now, is your wife, you know, deep involved with what's going on with the Edge, or are you primarily the guy that's, you know, working with that? I know she has a, a, a portion of what she does within the, uh, for the team. Well, I think you'd describe it, you know, where um, 
you know, if I, I I'm the legs of the engine, she's the brain. You know, she's got, got she's got she's got the vision, she's got the foresight. She looks at things from the thirty thousand foot view. You know, where uh, if you were to zoom out on Google Maps, she's the one who looks at the three hundred sixty degree view of who are we, what are we trying to do here, and what's possible for us. So she provides that vision overall going forward, which is invaluable. You know, sometimes when you're in the trenches, all you see is the day ahead of you or the week ahead of you. And it's always important to have someone who can look at, hey, what are we doing next year? What are we doing in 2020? You know, what are we doing in 2022? To have that forward vision and to at least have some kind of idea of what we want to be so that way we can keep pushing forward. Well, looking looking forward, not just for the the, the Bloomington Edge, but as a league, uh, how are you looking at Champions Indoor Football? Where you see the future as an owner and and as an investor, which is a little bit different than most what most people don't understand. The Champions Indoor Football, te- uh, all teams have a say in what's going on, and more so than just one person calling the shot. The commissioner runs a little bit differently in this league compared to others. How does it look as far as the future for Champions Indoor Football and maybe more teams coming in. Have you heard anything about that kind of stuff? Well, as you know, indoor football is always rumor strife. I mean, there's always, sure. there's always uh, ideas of people coming and joining. But it's an actual like... inquirer sometimes, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, we, we couldn't be more thrilled. I mean, you know, every league has its own set of issues, growing pains, so on and so forth. But we're 14 strong right now. I believe we're the largest indoor football league in the country right now yes. um, in mm-hmm. terms of teams. And so I think it's really, um, it's up to us as owners to really vet carefully someone who wants to enter our league going forward. We're not going to take anyone who just wants to join. I mean, you have to demonstrate, um, you know, the various different uh, capabilities and responsibilities that it takes to be a good solid league partner. And I think we're in a good position where we have 14, we're stable we're good where we are. Now, if we do see an ownership group coming forward, like Western Michigan and Bismarck, who have been phenomenal partners yes, this year and have been excellent expansion teams. Very um, active, too. Right, right. And so, and so if there's a strong ownership groups out there who do want to, you know, start indoor football, we'll consider them. But uh, I love the stability of the league. I love how everything plays out. I love how – you know, as owners, we all recognize that this is uh, a business and it's also a passion. And sometimes going back and forth between those two um, can be challenging. But at the end of the day, uh-huh. um, I think Randy Sanders out of Centex told me best maybe a year or so ago. He says, it's 60 minutes of competition, but a lifetime of friendships. And for the most part, I can say that across the board where, you know, I uh, I have confidence in uh, – I just uh, think very highly of many of my partners. Well, I think it's kind of funny where you're talking about the conflict of passion, where, where you're talking about whether it be contact, uh, passion with football or whatever. You're also a doctor. Are you the team doctor? I, I've been wanting to know this. Are you the team doctor for the – I mean, because you and your wife both are, are physicians. Uh, and so are, are, you guys the, are you guys the trainers or do you have other people with them? Well, no, Sonny, I'm a gastroenterologist, so I don't know if the team would want me oh. as their team doctor. <laughs> <laughs> got it. So, so, so you got uh, other folks uh, involved. Uh, do you find absolutely. it hard not, not to go out there and, you know, in case something happens, even though you're not in that type of position? 
Uh, it depends. I mean, you know, there's nothing gastrointestinal related, thankfully, that's occurred Usually. so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was watching Any Given Sunday a couple weeks ago, and Willie Beeman would throw up before every game. I suppose that's gastrointestinal, and thankfully, thankfully that hasn't happened. But, uh, yeah. you know, there's an ankle sprain. <laughs> if, yeah. if there's an ankle yeah. sprain or a, or, a, or a knee contusion and I'm around, I'm happy to look at it and kind of offer an opinion, get, get out of the way, let the trainers do their work, and you know, obviously we have team orthopedic doctors who are more qualified to assess and evaluate and recover. Got it very well. <laughs> yeah, I, I just found that I Well, I, I knew you were a doctor, but I didn't know how much you got involved with it. Um, going to try. I can't promise, but I'm going to try to get up there. My brother lives in Springfield, and I'm going to go see him and relate it to a business trip. So hopefully I can get up there before the end of the season. Now, you guys are looking – I mean, you guys are looking right there at the playoffs. I mean, you're sitting nice and pretty in the second position over there. Uh, that's got to make you feel real good, especially considering what you had to do to make the playoffs last year. Oh, no question. I mean, last year it was win or go home starting, I think, in week seven. And so yeah. we ran the table and we were able to sneak in and win a home playoff game and then come to within a whisker of the championship game down in Wichita. So it was a good run. Um, so I definitely like this position better. But uh, like my good friend Mickey <laughs> Burt always says, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so, you know, we've got four games to go and we're, we're gunning for that number one seed. Um, if not, Sioux City's a tough team. You know, we'll, set up, we'll, we'll look at number two, at least try to get a home game uh, in the process. But our work's cut out for us. We play Michigan twice. We play Salina once. And then Bismarck on the road is no pushover either. So, no, it's not. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wheels can come off pretty quick, and we're looking at least – I think if you win seven, you're in. I think if you want to have a home game, you've got to have eight. So – so for us, um, you know, we got to go at least three and one or, or better down the way. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting in a situation where you got two, two, you know, franchises that were not part of the league. You know, they're gunning for the the playoffs. So, and if anybody knows about, you know, it's not how you start, how to finish. It is Ricky Burtz with a couple of years with the Dodge City Law, starting out great and uh, once not even making the playoffs. So he's definitely right about that. So, uh, good luck to you, and you know, and congratulations for what you're doing in the community, and you along with uh, Stephanie Tucker down there. With the with the Amarillo Venom out in the community, I, I, that's a lot of your posts I see out there are that, and that's something to be proud of. And good luck with you uh, for the rest of the season, my friend. Thank you. Hope to see you up here, Sonny. We are your default hometown team. We're only forty minutes from Pekin. Don't forget us. Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. I get outside. He is Omar Kosar, owner of the Bloomington Edge, and folks, so we're gonna jump into let's take a look at some of the stats that are happening in champions indoor football all around the league we'll be back here in a moment and we are back here on inside the cif with sunny clark as we uh give a look at the north on what's going on but folks before we do that let's take a look at the standings in champions indoor football as uh, it's getting a little bit crowded at the top, I guess, as uh, a couple of teams, uh, one in each conference, uh, kind of got a pretty good hold on things. But uh, the other side, the, even the one on the top, is not looking like it's got the full strangle hold on it. But let's take a look at it. Let's start in the north as the Sioux City Bandits. They are 7-1 and one on the season and got a pretty good hold on this division. We were talking about it in a couple of interviews, and people that have talked about eight will probably get you into the playoffs. 
So uh, with four games left to go in the season, Sioux City kind of sitting pretty good um, as they get ready to um, hit the field here today later on. And we'll see if they can keep up with what they are doing. Uh, in second place in the Northern Division is the Bloomington Edge. We just heard from Omar Kukar, of the one of the owners of the Bloomington Edge. Uh, they're sitting at five and three on the season. In third place, the Omaha B four and three on the season. In third and in fourth place right now, it's the Bismarck Bucks. They are three and four. The West Michigan Ironmen are three and five. They're in fifth position. Kansas City won in seven. They are in sixth. And Salina and the Liberty, they are 0-8. Over in the south, let's talk a little bit about what's going on because it's getting a little uh, clustered up at the top. Let's talk about it. Dodge City Law, 7-1 on the season, followed by the Amarillo Venom, 6-1. Both of those teams have a loss against the Texas Revolution. Those two losses for one for each are the Revolution on there. So the Revolution, though, they are 5-2. They're in third place, followed by, right now, the Dallas Marshals, who are 4-3. The Duke City Gladiators are 4-3 as well. However, when you look at the number as far as the points against, they got 324, and the Duke City Gladiators 322, which is the reason why uh, they are sitting in that position. So the Duke City Gladiators at 4-3. Uh, in fifth place, in sixth place, the Wichita Force, three and four. This is a team that has really got to turn around, especially up in the north uh, or in the south as they've switched from the north to the south. Uh, now they got to get some victories underneath their belts in order to make the playoffs. So uh, they got a playoff run that they've got to go on. Followed by the Syntex Calvary, who are 0 and 7. So uh, lots of work for the. Uh, last year's champions to try to move forward and with a season now where they are they have got some work to do they got five games left to go in the season so they got to put it together in order to uh, make that playoff run it should be really interesting to see what happens in those games so let's take a look at the games that are happening we have seven games on tap here today uh, so this one's going to be huge. The Texas Revolution, they are on the road. They're taking on the Salina Liberty. The Duke City Gladiators on the road taking on the Amarillo Venom. That one's going to be a real good one there. Uh, Duke City's got a lot of work to do. Amarillo needs to continue winning football games. So uh, with Duke City at 4-3 and three on the season, they'd like to be able to get uh, out of Amarillo with a victory to improve to 5-3 and three and drop the Amarillo Venom to 6-2 and two on the season. The Dodge City Law, they are in Wichita. This one's going to be the big one for Wichita. And w however it comes out, uh, the Dodge City Law, they, if they win, they improve to 8-1. But it's Wichita that really, really needs this game. They are 3-4 and four on the season. They have got to put it together for a full 60 minutes in order to uh, keep themselves in contention to try to grasp a hold one of the uh, four playoff spots coming from the South Conference. Kansas City's on the road taking on the Omaha Beef. That's always going to be a good one uh, as they develop a little rivalry there as they're not very far away from each other. The Sioux City Bandits, they go a little bit uh, to the north and head on to take on the Bismarck Bucks. This one's important for Bismarck as they are sitting in a situation. They're in fourth place. They're three and four on the season. Can very ill afford to lose this game. The Sioux City Bandits, 
they want to try to at least get the eight games kind of put themselves in a position where they're definitely going to make the playoffs. So this one, that's going to be another good one to watch right there. The Bloomington Edge, as they are 5-3, and three, they go on the road. They're taking on the Witch, uh, West Michigan Ironmen. So the Bloomington Edge at 5-3, and three, they really can ill afford to lose this game, especially if some of the other teams start getting on a winning streak. So they've got to watch themselves. They've got to play a full 60 minutes as well. The Ironmen sitting at 3-5, and five, they definitely want to continue and have success, especially at home. Then the Syntex Calvary, they on the road to take on the Dallas Marshals. The, the Dallas Marshals definitely need this victory to stay right there within the top four within the South Conference. That one's going to be huge uh, for that one set up there. So uh, lots of good games going on today. Make sure you get on over to Eversport. Open up a couple. I open up about three or four uh, uh, devices so I can watch these games and I'm going to end up doing that as well we'll be switching back and forth another good stuff going on as far as some play uh, some fans actually are going to be out there uh, doing some video and I'll be looking for that video to try to put it up over there on champions indoor football's Facebook page so that should be a lot of fun again keep it clean and don't discourage or uh, disrespect the other teams that your team is playing uh, and that way we can uh, focus in a little bit on the fans that should be really fun so now that having been said uh, I, like I said I was kind of beat up there a little bit as we covered the south a lot there um, now we are focusing in here on the north so let's talk to someone within the north let's talk to a guy that has a big big game tonight and when you look at what's going to happen as far as their standings are concerned, the Bismarck Bucks take on the Sioux City Bandits. This is three of four. This one's going to be really good. And Jonathan Bain, let's just be honest, he is the guy that's going to have to lead them that way. So let's do this. Let's listen to and talk to the quarterback of the Bismarck Bucks, Jonathan Bain. And welcome into Inside the CIF. We are back here now, folks. Uh, since we're going to kind of focus in on the North, I want to talk to a guy that really is actually kind of, uh, I don't want to say taken the league by storm, but definitely has had a good impression on what's going on in Champions Indoor Football, and especially up north where he's from. I'm bringing online the quarterback uh, of the Bismarck Parks. But it's Jonathan Bain. How you doing, Jonathan? Doing well, Sonny. Doing well. Thank you for having me today. No, thanks for taking a couple of moments now. There's a lot of things I actually want to talk to you about because you don't just play football. Um, you're now you're, you're finding your way in and learning a little bit about endorsements products. As I'm a big coffee drinker, um, I saw your coffee. I, I saw your coffee ad, um, and uh, I just wanted to go get some coffee at that point, but I wasn't where you're at. How are you liking the endorsement? Are you learning it? Is it something that you like? And especially in that area, it's got to be kind of exciting. Yes, sir, without a doubt. Uh, speaking of the coffee experience, that was my first encounter with some coffee. You know, uh, people always call me crazy for not drinking coffee, but uh, they up here in uh, Bismarck, they have Cafe Aroma kind of got me, got me the right recipe, and uh, I loved it. But uh, as far as the endorsements and stuff like that going on, Bismarck's an awesome place. Uh, being from Texas, I didn't know what to expect coming to Bismarck, North Dakota, but it's been nothing but love up here. The people, the fans, uh, the community, the way it's just uh, 
welcomed us and 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 brought us in. It's it's just been huge, and and that's just one of those many endorsement things we're doing up here in Bismarck to kind of you know spread the the Bismarck Bucks and the CIS throughout the city. Uh, we've had tremendous crowds being a first year team, uh, you know, nearly packing out the house. So uh, it, it's been it's been an awesome awesome experience so far. Well, talk to me about that. Me, obviously, being down here from Texas, where I'm at and you're, where you're from, and we know about Texas football, how it's like. How How is the adjustment going from that atmosphere up to Bismarck, where maybe it's not such a priority as in far as the culture is concerned? Because when I moved from Arizona to Texas, you know, the high school football and football was the culture. When you go up from that culture up to Bismarck, how's the adjustments going on up there? Uh, to be honest with you, it really surprised me. It really did. Uh, I guess not to the sense once you look and, and see, you know, North Dakota State with the, you know, five straight national championships at the uh, FCS level. Um, but, I mean, they, the way they took us, like I said, the fans have been huge for us. You know, they at first first week before they got any of their gear, all you see is green and yellow in the stands. So, you know, I, I guess they do cling to their bison up here. And, uh, yes. And, and and it's been great, though. I mean, you couldn't see really a drop-off, just like I said, with all the love and, and encouragement we're getting, you know, throughout the community. Uh, but once you said, once again, Texas is kind of football capital, is in my, in, you know, my opinion. Um, I played college ball in South Dakota, so I was able to see it a little bit more there. So up here in the north, it definitely isn't a, um, as serious, I guess, if you will, as it is down there in Texas. Um, it seems like they're more maybe basketball up here, and that probably has something to do a little bit with the weather. You know, when we're down there practicing in 90-degree-plus, yeah. you know, they're up here in the 30s. So, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's been great. Like I said, you can tell they're, they're football fans. They love it. You know, the, the closest professional team around here has to, you know, be the Vikings. So to have a professional team here there in their home state, you know, in the capital city, you know, it's, it's been nothing but love. Yeah, getting out in the community is probably a big part of what you're doing. So, first of all, folks, know you're there. And second of all, you know, to to create that positive uh, light about your football team within the community. Right. Yes, sir. Without a doubt. So looking at looking at what you got going on there, you're a guy that comes in and you know, kind of a local kid because of the college. You know, South Carolina, South Dakota, they knew about you a little bit up in the area. How was the reception of you uh, making your way up into that? And as far as you being the, let, let's be honest, you're you're one of the leaders on that football team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and it helped with a little bit. I have a little bit of arena experience uh, playing in the PIFL for the Richmond Raiders back in 2015, mm-hmm. spent 2016 with the Tampa Bay Storm, and then now being up here. Uh, but like I said, with the first few uh, encounters throughout the community, you know, the endorsement things, all, all the the stuff we did throughout town, it was able to allow me to go out and kind of share my story and, and, and how I ended up here. And then, you know, being a South Dakota college kid, um, just just kind of, I guess, building relationships throughout the community. You know, that's one of my favorite parts about this whole gig is, you know, you get to travel different cities, different states, and meet different people and kind of, you know, share your story, they share theirs, you know, and then you just kind of build a bond. And, and like I said, right. Bismarck's been one of the greatest stops I've made so far. Really, you know, taking a leap of faith and a shot in the dark, you know, signing here, not knowing really what to expect. You know, it's a new franchise. Um, but – like I said, it's been it's been more than great. Uh, it's definitely beyond expectations and everything else. So it's it's been huge. Like I said, the community being so welcoming, 
it, this is actually a great ground zero for something that's going to be even better. You know, if this is just the start, no telling where this thing's going to be, you know, down the road. So, Talk a little bit about the adjustments from going to the outdoor game to the indoor game as a quarterback. Uh, humongous. <laughs> I got family and friends kind of asking me that when I first got involved with the Richmond Raiders. And uh, it um, – I say it's it's completely different. Um, your reads are different. The ball's coming out a, out a lot more quicker. Um, sometimes you get away from your fundamental things that you would you know want to try to focus on on the outdoor. You know, as far as you know, not throwing off your back foot. And in the arena game, you're liable to cut it loose anyway that you may never think you would throw a football. You know, but uh, it's um, it, it's been a great change. But it also I think has helped my game tremendously. You know, still working for the CFL and NFL, trying to get the shot. It is, as in getting rid of the ball quicker, you know, quickening up your release, making decisions faster, you know, decisions on the fly, and then, you know, fitting that ball in them really tight windows. I'm actually uh, really, really ready to see what, it, what it's like on the big field now. You know, you go from throwing a, a slant in the indoor to a slant on the big field, you know, that window's liable to open up a whole lot more. So, uh, Definitely. I guess so I would say the, you, right? Taking a step in there, you think? Sorry, what was that? advantage you, you know, with that in reality then, as far as the smaller windows and then now you get the bigger window to throw to if you're going to the outdoor, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Without a doubt. I think this is going to be a huge help. And, you know, just the speed of the game in general, you know, these are professional athletes out here playing on a, you know, a 25-yard wide field and these guys can cover some ground. So, you know, when you think you got a guy open, you know, this is where this indoor game is kind of the anticipation of routes coming open, you know, never throwing to a guy when he's open, but anticipating him to come open, you know, therefore, you know, you can kind of kind of have a step up. But it's been it's been great. You know, I've felt my game rise these past three years in the indoor. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed it for the world. You know, it's definitely got my game more crisp and, and you know, ready to move forward. Now, before you pull the trigger to throw the football, there's a lot of things that are going through your mind. Now, me asking you what are those things going through your mind before you're throwing the football, I know that's kind of a hard question to answer, but give us a little idea because you're getting rid of the ball in less than four seconds, sometimes two and three seconds. What what are you looking at as far as getting rid of the ball uh, in a quick situation? You know, what what's going through your mind? Uh, it all starts in the film room. Uh, I'm a big film junkie. I'm a nerd when it comes to football. I love it. You know, that's probably my favorite part of the game is actually preparing, you know, playing. We've done that our whole lives. And yes, you love it. And it's fun. But, uh, you know, the more through college and the more professional I've got, it's the film watching, you know, that's made everything so much easier. Um, so, you know, you have, like you said, up to two seconds, two to three. So you got three seconds in the indoor game. That's a long time to throw the ball. So, you know, that, yeah. that one to two seconds, two and a half seconds, you want to get rid of the ball. You know, what's going through your head is, you're really just walking out there, and based on preparation, it makes it a lot easier. You can identify your keys, you know, figure out what covers they're in. You know, they can they can try to disguise it, this, that, and another, but, you know, based on film and formation and what you're giving them, you're just uh, trying to identify what they're trying to do, and you want to take advantage of their uh, weak spots. So, really, it's just dissecting what the defense is giving you, and then when the ball snaps, that way you already have a, a heads up on where you kind of want to go with the football. Now, I talk about uh, uh, your, your coach, head coach, Richard Davis. Now, Richard and I, we've we butted heads before, but I, I actually kind of like Richard. And you know, so, I, so how's your relationship? I, I, you know, I know as a player and coach, because I used to be there, sometimes you're smashing heads and, and, and going to – what's your relationship like with your head coach and, and your offensive coordinator? It's awesome. Uh, like I said, I couldn't have picked two better guys to play for. Uh, coach Davis uh, – 
was the first one to call me uh, from up here. Rich, uh, Coach Richard Davis is a great guy, uh, full of energy. Man, he's full of energy. I love it. Uh, kind of brings out the best. A lot of energy. Very, 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 very energetic. <laughs> but it, it's a good thing. You know, it vibes and it spreads throughout our team, and everybody's kind of taking on that uh, that uh, energy as well. And then we go to, you know, Coach Fuller, uh, James Fuller. Right. I actually had the chance to play for He gave me my first professional opportunity out in Richmond and uh, was my head coach, offensive coordinator out there. And uh, we ended up making it to the championship game. Um, had a pretty successful year, ended up getting player of the year, offensive player of the year out there in that league. Uh, so me, mine and Coach Fuller's relationship is uh, strong just for the, the history we have with each other, you know, just kind of grinding out a whole season together. Uh, he was huge mentoring me, you know, throughout the whole AFL process last year with the Tampa Bay Storm and then, you know, receiving the call from Coach Davis and Coach Fuller this year uh, to come play up here in Bismarck, you know, to take that chance and, you know, without them two guys at the helm, you know, I probably wouldn't have never ended up in Bismarck. But just the love and respect I have for the two coaches I am playing for made a made a huge difference in my decision making. So you look at that, Coach Fuller. I mean, you also got a guy in the uh, booth, Robert Fuller. Do you see him in any of the practices at all? Is he uh, graced his face down there as well? Uh, no, sir. I haven't. Uh, I haven't got a chance to actually meet him, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. He's one of the guys that, uh, you know, when, when obviously working in uh, the indoor football and watching that as he's got a lot of experience, good color guy up there, you, you'll learn a lot from him if you grab him up for a couple of minutes, plus you'll love him. He's a great guy. Uh, now, looking at the, the, the scope of things and looking where you are in champions indoor football, you got a little work to do, but right now you're sitting right now in that fourth spot. Um, a, a very vital spot because you got Kansas, uh, Western Michigan right behind you battling for right now that last uh, spot. You know, what, what are you telling your team as they're getting ready? I, I mean, I know the coaches are doing their job. I mean, but are, are you, uh, with you being the leader, what are you telling your players as you're getting into this vital spot and the vital part of the season in order to make the playoffs? Uh, just to remain focused, to remain focused and take it one game at a time. You know, we want to come back from every game 1-0. You know, we don't want to think about what's ahead, what's behind us. Uh, we just want to go and attack each game one by one, you know, because I've kind of been in a situation like this myself in Richmond. We started out 1-3, and three, I believe 1-4, and four, and, uh, you know, went on a nine-game stretch, nine consecutive wins, you know, going to the championship game. Um, We've had an unfortunate uh, series of injuries up here, and you know how it is in the indoor game. You know, we have great players, but depth is an issue. Um, yes. So we've been battling that and fighting that. But, you know, slowly but surely we're kind of coming around. You know, we're on a two-game stretch right now, uh, you know, starting to get a little bit healthy. And uh, some of our key players are starting to make returns and, and, and to that nature. So, you know, I, like I said, we just try to stay focused, try to keep grinding, you know, with the end goal in mind but still taking it one game at a time, you know, because without that one game, it don't matter what you do, you know, thinking about ahead, you know, you just got to take it one, one play at a time and then, and, you know, just take care of business and let the chips, you know, fall where they may. Now you, you talked about injuries and, and, and you've already been through that. How hard was that for you to be sitting on the sideline, uh, you know, not able to get into the game? Uh, Sonny, that was the toughest, toughest part of my career, to be honest with you. That was the, the first game I've ever missed, first practice, really, I've probably ever missed in my career. Um, it was tough to watch, you know, and, and the, it's the, you know, the, where we had at quarterback, you know, we ran a little wildcat action with our receiver, L.B. Pope. 
against Sioux City the second game, and they, they snuck out of here with a win. And then um, a Bloomington as well, you know, to watch our guys kind of out there just battling, battling, and, you know, wishing I could be out there to lend them a hand and do anything I can to help get a victory. But, you know, the guys rose to the occasion, you know, played their butts off. And that meant a lot to me, too, to see, you know, because, you know, they could have, you know, approached it a whole different manner. But these guys got a lot of fight. And that's the one thing about this team up here. You know, the more healthy you were get, you know, the scarier it is because it's like, you know, hey, we actually got a ball club up here and, you know, we're not known. We're, you know, underrated. We're the Bismarck Bucks first-year team. But, you know, we're here to make some noise. And, and these next few weeks, you know, we're hoping we can, you know, put the product out there and come home with some victories. I'll tell you one of the interesting things about your team is, as I being the director of communications, I get all the contracts. You know, I saw teams making moves and making moves and making moves. And I'm sitting here. I actually even called Richard and said, you know, uh, I only got a few transactions for you right now. And, and this is a guy that really deciphers out talent in order to find out what, you know, works best for his team. Without a doubt, you know, Coach Coach Davis has done a tremendous job with the talent. You know, from the first day he called me, you know, I'm sitting in Temple, Texas, and he's he's selling Bismarck, North Dakota to me. And, and, and just the guys, you know, he named, you know, just tremendous talents, you know, high-character individuals, you know, guys I was able to contact, you know, and get a feel for what, you know, what their mindset was coming into this thing, you know, and, and their goals and intentions. And, and like I said, from day one, it's just been great. And, you know, that does fall back on Coach Davis. You know, Coach Davis is out here busting his butt, making the calls, you know, doing all the, the small things that it takes to, to be successful in this league. And, and um, like I said, that, that made it a no-brainer, you know, to come up here and compete with the guys, the high-level guys, you know, a, a bunch of former NFL players and, and stuff like that. Just to be surrounded with that in the locker room is just a huge help, I feel, with, with this season. Do you think his experience, and, and, and I say this because I get people talking to me about the, the different way the game is played. You played in the AFL. You played in the PIFL over there. Uh, you know, as, as far as the experience is concerned, you know, you could be a great outdoor football coach, uh, uh, yeah, outdoor football coach, but you need to know this league, I think, and you got a pretty good one up there. It, it, was that a selling point for you for to go up there uh, more so than any place else? Yes, sir, without a doubt. Like I said, just having the, the three years of arena experience I have, um, once I did the research on Coach Davis, it's funny, he was actually, you know, a longtime uh, Richmond coach with the uh, – Yes. Who was it? The um, I forget the name of the – but anyways, he was out there in Richmond in the AF2. I believe the, you know, the most winningest coach in the AF2. And, uh, you know, checking his resume, you know, seeing how, how strong it is in the, in the arena game, you know, CFL included, you know, NFL Europe. Um, and then Coach Fuller. I mean, man, you check his resume, it's, it's great, you know, from being a, a coach for the Dallas uh, Desperados to the head coach of the Dallas Vigilantes to going out to Richmond and playing in numerous championships, you know, he definitely has the – the uh, resume as well. So, and then my already my relationship with him, it it really was a no brainer, Sonny, when it came to uh, signing the CIF. You know, you couldn't couldn't play for two better guys than them two. And and like I said, they've done a heck of a job stringing together. You know, a, a team kind of on the run. You know, on the fly, first year team. And, Absolutely. Uh, we're 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 just interested to see where this will take us. You know, we we don't look at it as we're a first year team, and that's what I try to get in these guys' heads. And the funny little stat, I believe I'm the only player on this team with arena experience you know I think we're we're playing with uh with our starters I think we got uh 15 15 rookies in a in a three-year vet you know whenever we're on the field you know offense and defensively so uh yeah it's um it's great though like I said these guys are in control and 
and they're and they're used to this kind of thing. You know, they're guys that don't just fold under pressure. They know how to face adversity, and they know the task at hand. You know, and you couldn't ask for two better guys to be in control of that. Yeah, you have a tough road to go to, you know, as you're trying to make the playoffs here. You got Sioux City this week. That's going to be a battle. Then you're on the road to uh, three straight weeks, Kansas City, then back to Sioux City for the fourth round with them, then Salina and then Bloomington as your home. Uh, you, you've, you've got some work to do in order to make the playoffs. And it, So looking at those teams, you know, whether you, are you preparing for a couple of weeks? Are you watching film from other teams that you're about ready to face this week, or do you mainly just look at that when you're about ready to hit them that week? Uh, sir, I, I just focus in on the team at, at hand, you know. So this week's been strictly Sioux City. Actually, back into last week, you know, we, we're coming off a of bye week, so I want to, you know, get a jump start on them. You know, they're a, a prestigious team in this league, well-known, you know, a long veteran team. They uh, do things the right way, you know, and, and they know the odds and ends of this game, you know. So if yep. you're going to see some something uh, exotic, it's going to come from an experienced team, you know, whether it be pressure or, or you know, even if it's a, a coverage or anything they're trying to throw at you. So, uh, you know, just really studying them. And then, you know, after Saturday night, playing the game, Sunday rolls around, then we're on to the next week. So I try to take each team week by week. And, you know, a fortunate thing about this league is being able to play teams multiple times. You know, you already kind of have a feel for what, you know, their base is and what they do. So, therefore, when you do play them the second time, you know, it's, you've already got kind of your foot in the door as far as what they like to do, what they like to run versus each formation. You know, and then you just kind of go in and break it down even a little more from there. So to answer your question, though, it's it's really week by week, game by game, kind of like I told you I preached to the team. I don't want nobody looking ahead. I just kind of want to attack the, the team at hand and then move on to the next team the week after. You talk about attacking film. And, yeah, obviously you've got two games of film to take a look at Sioux City. What are you looking at in those that film from the previous two games uh, that you've seen from the Sioux City Bandits? Uh, you're just looking at uh, just to see if, uh, if you can find some tendencies, you know, whether it be leverage of a DB, whether it be their body language, you know, based on if you can identify that, you know, pre-snap, then it'll help you once the, you know, post-snap, whenever you're trying to make your reads and your throws, you kind of know where guys are already going. Um, like I said, Sioux City's a great team, well-coached team, um, do things the right way. And, uh, you know, you just got to go in there. And, and those teams, you really got to look into it, you know, because they're not going to make a whole lot of mistakes. You know, they're not going to really beat themselves. So you really got to try to take advantage of their weak points. And, and so watching film, you're just trying to find those and find those and, and find each and every way and each and every, you know, pass pattern or even in the run game. You know, that's the difference between the AFL and this league is, you know, I have a run game to fall back on as well. So, you know, to just you want to do all you can to keep the defense off balance and keep them guessing. And, and then, like I said, it's just a chess match. You want to try to put your pieces where they ain't. So, You bet. He is Jonathan Bain. He is the quarterback of the Bismarck Mark Bucks. Got a tough one, but this one's at home. This one's going to be a good one. You'll get a good crowd out there for the Sioux City Bandits this week. Thanks for joining us here on Inside the CIF, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much, Sonny. I appreciate you having me today. You betcha. And folks, when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the other numbers that are going on in Champions Indoor Football on Inside the CIF. We'll be right back. And we are back here on Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark as we've talked to the owner of the Bloomington Edge, Omar Kokar. Also just got done talking to Jonathan Bain, the quarterback of the Bismarck Bucks. 
uh, good stuff going on there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the numbers uh, before we jump into our last guest here. Um, and let's take a look at some of the overall statistics that are going on in the league as far as the league leaders are concerned. Let's start with passing. Nate Davis averaging 254 yards a game through the air, followed by Dominique Portere at 245 yards a game. Then Rudy Johnson, 195 yards a game, followed by Chris Dixon with 186. And then Holbrook from the Bloomington Edge, 165. Touchdowns, Nate Davis, 43 touchdown passes, followed by Portier at 38. Chris Dixon, 35. Rudy Johnson, 28. And Holbrook again at 26. Rushing the football, Corey Ringer uh, averaging 58 yards, uh, close to 59 yards a game. Michael Dyer, 57, uh, who won the Offensive Player of the Week last week. Iannotti, 46 yards rushing at the quarterback position. And then Floyd from the Bucks, 42 yards, followed by Dominique Carson, 40 yards for the Sioux City Bandits. Touchdowns as far as rushing are concerned. Corey Ringer with 19 for the West Michigan Ironmen. Michael Dyer with 13, Dominique Carson 12, as well as Nate Davis and Bruno from the Sioux City Bandits with 11. Receiving yards, McKinney for the Dodge City Law, averaging 77.8 yards a game. Gilbert from the Amarillo Venom, 76.7. Clinton Solomon, 74.1 for the Revolution. Brett Soft for the Wichita Force, 62.1, followed by uh, Bird Mix. Uh, for the Bismarck Bucks, 57.8. Touchdowns receiving. Leading the league and tied at the top are Clinton Solomon of the Revolution and McKinney of the Dodge City Law. Gilbert with 13. Parks with 11. As well as Lewis from the Bloomington Edge with 11 as well. Defensive side of the ball. Tackles per game. Serta, 11.2 for the Duke City Gladiators. I want to see if we can get an update on his injury. Uh, Autry uh, for the Bandits, 9.1. Wyatt for the Dodge City Law with 8, uh, along with uh, Umba for the uh, Revolution, and then Long from the Salina Liberty with 7.9. Uh, Sachs leading the league, Sioux City Bandits. Uh, uh, Bridges, 9.5 sacks. Henderson for the Law with 8. And then it drops down to another Dodge City Law player at 5.5. That's Wyatt and Ficklin from the BFAS 5.5. And Serta for the Duke City Gladiators at 4.5. So looking at those numbers overall as the teams are concerned and where they're at, uh, big-time numbers and stuff. Let's talk about the overall stats, kind of looking things as far as yards are concerned. Total yards, 2,034 yards for the Amarillo Venom, 2,073 yards for the Texas Revolution. The Dodge City Law, 2,340 um, is far as they are concerned. Duke City Gladiators, 1,984. But it's the per game that we're going by to, to do the rankings here because Amarillo with 200 or mark that, Amarillo with 329, the Texas Revolution at 296, 292 for the Law, 283 for the Duke City Gladiators, and the Ironmen in fifth place uh, with that stat. Uh, they are sitting at 258 yards. Total offense, though, Dodge City, uh, 2,340 yards, 
2,304 yards for the Venom, followed by the Texas Revolution in 2,076, 2,067 for the Ironmen and the Duke City Gladiators at 1,984. But leading the league in as far as uh, receptions and passing and all that for the pass, 1,803 yards for the Law of the Venom, 1,783 yards. The Duke City Gladiators, 1,718 yards. And the Revolution at 1,336 yards. And then the Bloomington Edge at 1,330 yards. Rushing, uh, as far as the team rushing is concerned, the Bandits leave that uh, category with 908 yards rushing, followed by the Omaha Beef at 777 yards. The Ironman, 738 737 for the Texas Revolution, and then it drops to the Bismarck Bucks in the fifth place position at 598, and then 585 for the Kansas City Phantoms. So when you look at those numbers, as the overtotal uh, yards are huge for this football uh, season. Now, talking about first downs, and that you can a good indicator is if you got a good number of first downs and leading the league. In first down are the Amarillo Venom. They got 162 uh, first downs uh, going up uh, right now. Uh, 155 for the Law, the Ironman 143, 137 for the Phantom, and 137 as well for the Texas Revolution and the Sioux City Bandits, 134. So getting the first down by the rush, uh, 70 first downs by the Sioux City Bandits, followed by 59 for the Omaha Beat, 57 for the Texas Revolution and the Ironman, 54 for the Law, and 53 for the Edge. Getting the first down by the pass, Amarillo has 110 first downs through the air. The Law with 196 for the Gladiators, the Phantom with 84, the Ironman at 75, the Texas Revolution at 74, followed by the Bloomington Edge at 70. So, and now getting the first down by penalty, the Sioux City Bandits got eight of those, seven for the Ironmen, and three for the uh, Phantoms Liberty, as well as the Force. So looking at those numbers and first downs are a big indicator on how well a team is doing. So let's talk about some of the kickoff returns and where they stand, because kickoff returns gets you the uh, positive yards that you need in order to score. The Texas Revolution with 50 uh, kickoff returns, they got 1,108 yards. The Salina Liberty with 59 uh, kickoff returns, they got 1,067 yards. And the Syntex Calvary, 66 returns, 1,037 yards. The Dodge City Law, 56 returns, 798 yards followed by the Amarillo Venom with 56 and 789 yards. So uh, the kickoff average yards that are going on, the Revolution uh, lead the league. They got 22.2 yards, 18.1 for the Salina Liberty, 17.6 for the Ironmen, 17.5 for the Bandits, the Wichita Force 16.3 and 16 for the Syntex Calvary. So I like a lot of those things as far as where they are. Now let's take a look at some of the stats for the team. Uh, let's talk and then go to the defensive side of the ball uh, for sacks. 21 sacks leads the league for the Bloomington Edge, followed by 18 with the Dodge City Law, the Duke City Gladiators with 15, and two teams tied at 14. That's Omaha Beef and the Sioux City Bandits. Then the Texas Revolution with 13, 11 for the Liberty, and two teams tied at 9, the Amarillo 
Venom and the Wichita Force, then the Bismarck Bucks with eight along with the Dallas Marshals. So getting those are huge. Now, defensive touchdowns, uh, two teams on the top, Dodge City Law and the Duke City Gladiators with far, four, followed by the Sioux City Bandits with three, then four teams with two. The Amarillo Venoms, the Tex Calvary, the Texas Revolution, and the Salina Liberty. So uh, that is huge. Let's go to interceptions out on the uh, season. Duke City Gladiators, um, they, they are doing really good as far as the interceptions are concerned. But it's the Dallas Marshals with the most. 16 interceptions for 170 yards. Texas Revolution 10 with 165 yards. 14 for the Dodge City Law, 157 yards. The Amarillo Venom, they have 10 interceptions with 140 yards. The Duke State Gladiators with 8 with 137 yards. 11 for the Edge with 121 yards as well as the Syntex Calvary. So the interceptions are, are big time there as far as the teams and where they are standing. Fumble recoveries is another good stat I like to look at because teams get the ball. Um, a lot of teams will fumble, but they can recover them. But recovering uh, the fumbles, 12 for the Salina Liberty and the Duke City Gladiators, 11 for the Marshals, and then two teams tied at 10 with the Bandits and the Ironmen at that number 10. Then the Dodge City Law at 9, 8 for the Calvary, and then the Revolution and the Venom are tied at 7. So the fumble recoveries are big time as far as the uh, numbers on the turnovers. So now we're going to go ahead and get to our final guest of the show. This is a guy that has had a, a spectacular last two seasons. He's working through some things here this season. A guy that makes a big-time impact on the defense. Where, you know, when defense has got a plan for you, you you've done something. We're going to talk to uh, Marlon King-Globin here on Inside the CIA. And welcome back into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark. I've got online the guy keeping the interest at the North here. As last couple of weeks, we've been kind of looking at the South by accident, but we did it. But here we are back at the North. There's a, a team that's sitting up on top. They are 7-1 out on the season and sitting, you know, on top of the North Division. That would be the Sioux City Bandits I got online. One of the linebackers making some noise over there. It's Marlon Oven. How you doing, Marlon? I'm doing well, Sonny. How about you down there, buddy? I'm doing good. It's actually Marvin Robin. We talked about that, and we, we probably shouldn't have talked about it. I should have just went with it. Um, we're online with you. How are things up there in Sioux City? What's going on? I mean, things are good. I mean, you know, just messing now. Just things are going well. I'm actually getting ready to hit the road here shortly, and I uh, should be the first one on the bus, and then we're going to head down south to pick up the crew from Sioux City and head back up north. For for me, it's kind of a, a backwards drive because we're going to Sioux City first, but I'm going on the team bus because the bus is here in Sioux Falls, and I live uh, five minutes away from the bus station. So I'm actually located in Sioux Falls or close to Sioux Falls, so just driving down with the bus and coming right back up north. Trying to get a Got it. So, 
Yeah, you're on the way. You're taking you're you're winning the way and you're taking on the big my bucks. We just uh, earlier in the show talked to the quarterback, which is the guy that you're gonna be, you know, foaming at the mouth to get to. We were talking to Jonathan Bain. It, and it, when when you guys you guys got four games to, against the same team. I, I wanna know as a as a player, how does that affect you as a player? Does it make it better at around game three such as this and game four? Because you kind of know the tendencies, or, do, or is it is it worse? What what's what's your take on playing the more than more than um, twice in the season? To be honest, if 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 the team either one of the teams are not competitive, if my team wasn't competitive, or if the Bucks wasn't competitive, it wouldn't be as fun as it is. Um, the Bucks they they put on a great show up there. They have from this the first game we went up to it was a great you know a great outcome, and I'm vice versa. They came to Sioux City had a great outcome for stands wise and things of that nature, but. When you play a team four times, you get in pretty fast, unless the games are very competitive. In which I, you know, from from the from the first game, it didn't look so competitive, but they 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 showed some things, they showed some tendencies that were good for them. And the second game was a lot more competitive, and I mean, of course, that was at their house, and we're going back up there. And right now, we're I think we're two and one on the road, which is unfortunate, but we know we're going into what type of environment we're going into. So you know, it's round three of four, and. I think we're prepared as much as we can be, as you know, as close as we are to it. We're as prepared as we're going to get right now. I mean, things can be better, but it's you know it's too late to make those changes. So we're going to you know go up there with what we have and try to come back with a victory. Yeah, and you, you actually get them next week as well as you're going to get them at home. Um, the next time that you play, actually not the next week, but the next game because you're on the bye next week. Is that an advantage to play the same team? You know, the next week or. I, I'm, as a fan, I like to see it split up, but I think it's probably good for you so you can be ready for some tendencies or maybe come up with something different. Oh yeah, you know you know how it is. You, you, you fool me once, shame on me. You fool me twice, shame. You know what I mean? It, it goes that yeah. way. So the second time around, I mean, this will be the fourth time around in two weeks. So you know their tendencies will be as as they are, and our tendencies will be as they are as well. So they'll be prepared, and we'll be prepared for these next two matches. But right now, we're really focused on this round three matchup, and, you know, it's in there. Like I said, if you guys haven't had a chance to see what Bismarck has put on the turf out there, they put on a good show. They have, you know, a good a good arena. I mean, it's surprising to be – I mean, I don't really know. I didn't know much about North Dakota. I mean, I live in South Dakota, but I didn't know much about North Dakota, and they had a great turnout, and, they you know, they packed the house. And I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're to the near end of home games, so I'm, I'm guessing this will be pretty much the same, if not better. I mean – Definitely. Other than that, I mean, now, go for it. Yeah, and, and when when you play a team like that, you know, you, you get those tendencies. You got a pretty good schedule going up. You got Bismarck a couple of times, uh, Omaha after that, and then you finish up with the Kansas City uh, Phantom. Uh, having the season that you are, I mean, are you surprised to be at where you are, or was this some uh, was a goal for you to be? Uh, sitting as good as you were at the beginning uh, at the beginning of the season, did you expect to be that seven and one? Oh well, to be honest with you, expectation is a championship or bust. Every year we put on a Sioux City uniform, so regardless of where we are right now, we, we, we're supposed to be where we are because this is what we work for and this is what we do on the night in and day. So just when we prepare, we, we prepare for a championship. We don't prepare for one game to just win one game and go seven to six maybe the last year. Our goal is to always win the championship. So of course I'm excited to to be where we are. I mean but this league is this league is full of hitters. 
So you never know who's going to be hot and who's going to be not. And you got to be bringing your A game every week. So the expectation is here for us to win a championship, and that's our goal. And let's go back a couple of years because if you look at your stats compared to the last couple of years, I, I think there's got to be a – I guess you could just say it. You, you need to have the eye test on your game compared to a couple of years back to where it is today. Explain a little bit about the changes of your game from a couple of years to where you are right now. Because if you look at the stats, they're, they're, they're just they're, – they're kind of uh, kind of lopsided for the last couple of years compared to where you're at now. Oh, well, to be honest, I mean, you know, the body gets old. That's, that's one of them. Uh, the second one is just, you know, just playing different positions. And one of the game in Bismarck, I actually, I actually played tackle that game. So that, that game put me behind statistically wise. But, uh, and we, and we also, but if you look at our, if you look at down our top 10 tackles for the past, whatever it is, stats for the past maybe four years, we've all been neck and neck. We never had a person just like take off because our defense is so sound. Do things yeah. so much as a as a unit to where me and John came neck and neck last year, to 102 to 104. And then the next guy was 99. The next guy was 88. So I mean, statistically, I don't like to look at it because I'm not where I where I want to be. But I know personally on film, I'm showing up on film. Teams are doing certain things to you know to attack my weaknesses and doing certain things to stay exactly. with my strengths. And I understand that because, like I said, I'm a veteran of this league and I know what what can possibly happen out of certain formations and what can happen. And honestly, I'm starting to roll now and I feel better body feels better and you know tendencies are starting to show more and more as you know we prepare for these unknown unknown tendencies they're starting to show from you know what I mean consistently playing the team or just in general being around in this league so I mean like I said statistically I'm not where I want to be for sure 100% sure but at the end of the day we're winning those ball games and we're and we're getting those wins that actually count towards our end goal so I mean if I if I finish right now with 55 tackles and a championship, Sonny, I promise you I retire with a smile on my face. <laughs> Definitely. And that's one of the things, and that's why I was talking about the eye test, because as a team gets set, you know, and I'm, okay, I'll blow you up a little bit. Teams got to really look out for you. If they don't know that you're over there or playing for you, um, it, it does open up the door for other players, and that's the reason why you see, you know, other guys with the bigger stats as well, I would think. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. I mean, that's that's you, you hit it right on the head. That's that's true. I mean, can't take that away from those other guys either. They've earned whatever they've gotten, and they're gonna earn whatever they get too. So it's just one of those things. You know, you show up and you prepare. And I, I tell you one thing though, Sonny. I may not be statistically the highest rated player right now, but no one I feel like you know. I prepare night in and night out, and I, I do this just because I really, really love it, and it happens to be yeah. for a great organization. So. There's no questions about anything else besides the love that we're out there playing with and we're doing it for each other. So statistically, of course, like my defensive player of the year award I have is sitting in my kitchen. I don't have it in my basement yep. because it didn't it didn't count for anything. I didn't win anything. I just won that award and sitting in my kitchen. I don't really care about that thing. Got it. And, and right now, looking at your looking at your team, of course, you got uh, Devin Bridges uh, playing well. Uh, De- uh, Dwayne Autry leading the team in tackles and uh, things of that sort. You know, how are you forming together? You're obviously gelling pretty well with chemistry on the defensive side of the ball. Oh well, and if you take a look at those stats again from those players you mentioned, I think honestly, before Ron went down last year, um, Ron Franklin, yep. um, Clifford Stokes, uh, myself. Um, Devin Bridges, Dwayne Archley, I think, and John Smith, I think six out of the eight guys potentially could have won defensive player of the year last year. And we happen to all be on one 
unit. In, yep. in the very beginning, from the time you know we talked about getting these players in, and we talked to you know talked to them and getting them here, we never questioned the ability to, to play. We questioned the ability to play together and get to know each other and grow each other. But most of those, all those guys we've mentioned, they've been in this league, they've been to big games, but they haven't won big games. They've been close to you know been close, and all of them are at a point in their career to where they they're like, you know what, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen now. And they want to yeah. win it now, and they prepare like they want to win it now, and. That's our end goal. I mean, I'm 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 stoked with the players we have on our team. I'm already sitting back looking like, man, if I do play next year, it's still going to be it's going to be like hell again to to win it again because these guys are so good. If we don't win, it's just like, oh my gosh, we have all these guys and these great guys for one, and we don't win. It's like, what are you guys doing? So we we know what's at stake, and those guys they're they're happy to be here and they love each other. We love each other. We we grow with each other. We do certain things with each other that's just like unbelievable. We're like wow. We're really a team, and some of these, like I said, these guys we've we've been together, and then you got the Bridges, you got the Arleys, you got the Stokes, you got the guys that 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 started the bandit mode, and they and they finally fit the mode. They bought in, and now they're here, right. and they love it, and things are different for us now. I mean, take me back to 2016. We had definitely talk about great. that because you went to the championship game uh, two years ago. Uh, last year didn't make the championship game. And uh, so, so what's the, I mean, what's the difference from a couple of years now, uh, a couple of years ago to where you are now? Um, to be honest, we, you know, last year we had some woes on both sides of the balls. We had some injuries on both sides of the balls and we just kind of, we were, we were very hungry. It hurt more than anything to lose. And, and our coaches, you know, our backs was against the wall when we lost and we always felt like, you know, championship or bust and that's still a mentality but we understand that it's it's ultimately a game and everybody's really playing that game to win the same thing we're going for it just happens to be who's hottest that night and last year we weren't hot enough times but the year before we were always together we, we you know we did certain things together that teams that unbelievable like you can't believe we you know we would go places people would know we were teammates we would do stuff people would know it was us because they saw us all together in the community out you know different places showing up and just, just being abandoned, just being together and loving each other and having our coaches really allow us to be who we are. That's one thing our coaches do. They allow us to be who we are, and they let us, you know, grow with each other. You know, we have our breakdown drill. They go the other way, and they come back and talk to us, and they let us know how they feel. But And that's the same thing happened two years ago. We're, now we're in a situation to where our backs aren't against the wall, but our backs are against the wall because anybody can get hot. But we got a comfortable lead, but not comfortable enough. So it's it's got to get to the point to where you know we got to get that four game lead where the the championship really runs through Sioux City. And that's our end goal is to you know win this game here, win the next one. Obviously, win all the games that's on our list. But 2015 was very special, and we had what we have now, and I think that's what makes us even better because I've been there before and I see it again. So let's talk a little bit about your game. I mean, I, I talked to Jonathan Bain about what he goes through mentally before he gets ready for a play. Let's take that same thing. Let's throw that onto you. What are you thinking about when you're about ready to, to, to make a play? I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with whether or not you're going to be in a certain position or not. So, so what, does, what runs through uh, yeah, your mind as the ball's being snapped at your position? Well, the very first thing is uh, um, we, you know, alignment, assignment, execution, where, where am I going to be, and, you know, what's my assignment, how am I going to execute that assignment. First thing is I come out, I, I see the I see the formation and potentially run through what's my weakness, where I need to be right away. It's, it's, it's honestly like a 
like a two-second, by the time they break the huddle, you see, you think, and you think about, okay, if I get here, I can't do this because I have this person here. It's all about a – it's all about it's all about making your next move your best move and it's chess honestly it's not checkers and Bain's a great quarterback and I know he's he wants to spread us out and he wants to do certain things to us because he he can throw the ball he can throw the ball really well and he'll take off and run if he if he needs to but at the same time me and him he's the he's the quarterback and I'm the quarterback of our defense so I got to be on the same page as Bain and I got to be a page ahead of him at the same time because at the same time I'm prepared to I know what he likes to do and I know what he doesn't like to do so just breaking Bane down enough to where like I feel like, you know, he's he's good at this and he's he's okay at that. I wanna I wanna make sure he's not okay at everything. So I I try to make it as confusing as possible for him and try not to think as much and just go out there and just play the game and understand where I'm weak at and stay away from those weaknesses. Got it. And and that that's kinda interesting when you think about the the lineups and everything that goes through a guy. And, and you're considered one of the leaders of this team. So are you directing traffic out there, letting guys know where they need to be? Or is your team that good enough to where they, they know where they need to be? Oh, I mean, 100%. They know where they need to be. But honestly, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't doesn't go unless, you know, the linebacker. And that should be in any defense. The defense, the linebacker, he tells everybody where to go. And then the front three, they, they talk about what they need to do. And the back four talk about what they need to do. But that middleman is the linebacker. He calls the play. He controls the huddle. And but like I said, we have those guys on defense that see the formation and know already what's supposed to be ran. Same thing for up front. But I'm just reiterating it and I'm confirming it for them. And they just like, okay, he's confirmed it. It's time to go. That's how it works. And that and and that it creates the the confidence that you get. And and that confidence obviously has to come from your coach. Talk a little bit about your coaching staff. Obviously. You know, Earth Show being up there, you know, cut, you know, looking things over, and and your other coaches. Let people know a little bit about him and and what he brings to the table for your team. Oh man, he's 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 nothing without his wife. She doesn't let him do anything unless she says it's okay. That's why he's our guy. Even though she shows us the practice, and she and she looks over us too. She makes sure we're doing the right thing on and off the field. Best thing goes with all the wives and the coaching staff. I mean, but. uh Coach Strobing is a great, great, great guy. I, I, you know, we have this relationship to where I tell him, I can't stand you, but I love you. And he, he looks at me and says, I can't stand you, but I love you too. Get the job done. And that's how it works. But those coaches, they've been together, you know, uh, Strobing and um, Irv. I mean, Strobing and Jared, they played together in college and they played together in Sioux City. They've been together for some time. And then Coach Stevenberg played, I think, at the very end of uh, Coach Strobing's career together. And, Stephen Bird is the defensive coordinator. Obviously, I think he's the best coach in the league. He's my, you know, that's my guy, my favorite guy. But at the end of the day, he's the defensive coordinator. And those guys, when they get together in a room, they draw things up and 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 they and they try to perfect them before they come out and show us what we need to do. And then they come out and and they try to explain what we need to do. And they think this is how if this backer does this, we're going to do this. If this receiver does this, you're going to do this. And, they think ahead of the game, and they think so far ahead of the game. I'm already thinking, like, why are you guys thinking that far? But that's what happens when they're a good coach. They can yell at each other and figure things out. They can calmly figure things out. But that that coaching staff has been together, honestly, for football alone probably at least. If you combine maybe 20-plus years, obviously, anything you throw in, us players that's been with it for six to seven years, we're looking at a long time together. So, I mean, that – that camaraderie is there and they trust us and they respect us. They understand what we have outside of football. And it's crazy because Sonny, 
myself, Strobean, uh, Jared, DeGeorgia, uh, Zevenberg, and uh, Frederick Bruno, we've had a group message for almost two years now where we just text each other any time of the day, weirdest things possible, football, non-football, you know, things of that nature. Like, you know, Zevenberg put a toilet in Bruno's house this, this summer. <laughs> She's supposed to come help me <laughs> knock down the wall. That's that's the type of relationship we have. We we are good, good family-oriented people. I mean, those coaches, they love us. They care for us. I remember one year, my tire blew out. Strobing, he came in with the van and picked me up and drove me back to Sioux Falls, like, get your tire fixed, got tire fixed. And I had a bunch of guys in the car, so he had no choice but to take us back. But that's the type of love they have for us, you know. They care for us. Yep. And they make sure we're in the right place at the right time. And as long as we keep doing well in the community and showing up and keeping that positive attitude, we're going to remain a bandit. Oh, definitely. And that's another thing. You think about the history of Sioux uh, City and the bandits and, you know, the years that Bob Scott has had this organization going. And, uh, yeah, you feel comfortable in the community? I mean, you guys have been a part of the community forever up there, and you're like the cornerstone of what's going on in Sioux City, Iowa. Oh, man. You know, Bob, he's, he's if not the greatest owner in indoor football, he's one of them. He's a uh... He, you know, he put this staff together, a lot of former players, because he knew what it took to be, you know, a successful football team. And not, not to, not no credit taken away from the players. I mean, the coaches that never, you know, coached, I mean, never played. But this staff that he put together, he obviously put them together with a vision in mind. He had community guys with his, with his staff, and he knew that they would be on us about the community. And community was big and big for Bob, and it is Bob. Bob is community. So, Oh, he's the for mayor, us to right? show up to, yeah, he's the mayor. For us to show up to places and represent Sioux City is, we're not just representing Sioux City. We're representing, you know, a whole county like a Woodbury, just a Woodbury area, just the places where people most see us and they understand that, you know, like all oh, those abandoned players. Yeah, they they work for Bob. We we really need to consider it work. It's it's a, it's a fun place. It's lax. He doesn't ask you to do anything. That a normal person would do. You may gotta go read a book. You may gotta go sign autographs. You may, you know, but you're, you know, you sign autographs after games. Required, no, if you played or didn't play, it's a requirement because those kids need you, and you're more than you're more than just a football player. So, and he's given us the opportunity to make impact on people's lives. We run with it. Definitely. Now we are online with King. King uh, uh, Lobin, uh, you know, as as he's known about there, and uh, Marlon Lobin of the Sioux City Bandits. Now, let's let, let's just find out a little bit about Marlon and what he's all about. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna name a couple of things, and you tell me what you what you're all about. Okay, so let's let's start yeah. with the first thing. Place we or something else. Uh, could you say one more time? A PlayStation, a Wii, or something else? Xbox One. It's going to be on the bus tonight, too, so. Xbox One. All right. So I did, it was other. So there you go. KFC, churches, or something else? Something else. Something else. What, what's the something else? Uh, if I had a fast food choice, we don't have it here. Because in the Midwest, I would take Jack in the Box. I love Jack in the Box. I'm a California kid. Well, well then, uh, no. Keep it along lines, chicken, because I got the other one going on. So, so it, along with chicken, what, where are you at with chicken? Uh, where am I at with chicken? Uh, KFC, Popeyes? churches, or somewhere else? Uh, churches, churches, churches is up there, but uh, Popeyes is probably 
probably going to overpower that. Popeyes, my friend would like that because he's one of the directors of operations over at Popeyes. All right, so McDonald's, Burger King, or obviously Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box. All right, <laughs> and, and and I myself, I would have went with Chick Fil A on the chicken one, but all right, uh, Chinese Mexican, yeah, yeah. So Chinese Mexican or something else. Well, to be honest, I got oh, for my wedding. I had tacos, so of course Mexican for you know for my food. Yeah, Weightlifting, cross training, or something else. Sleep. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're working too much. There you go. You need to yeah, sleep. I like it. I sleep. I work out when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. N- Nike, Adidas, or another brand? Even though even though I can't stand the, the fit, it's a little tight because I don't got a big foot, but uh, Nike has the best look. Nike. All right. And for the last one, LeBron or Jordan or somebody else? Uh, did you say Kobe Bryant? You can never, never, ever. Why would you? You should. It should go Kobe, Michael Jordan, or something else. So we're gonna go. With Kobe. Ah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So LeBron out of the picture. He is Marlon Robin. He plays for a a, a champion. Hey, you're gonna make probably make the playoffs. So you probably get one more win. At least you'll solidify yourself in there. Uh, in the 2017 playoffs anyway. Good luck to you as you go on down the rest of the season. We'll catch up with you uh, maybe at the championship game. Hey, Dill, you know, with the, with that staff on the board, we got like a – I'm a math – I'm not a math genius, but when it comes to numbers like that, I think we got like an 88% chance to win with strobing staff. So I'll take my chances, baby. Yeah, I wish, wish they flew into Sioux City. I have to fly into someplace else to get to you guys, but I'll, I'll get there, so we'll do that. So uh, have yourself a good one, and good luck for the rest of the season, my friend. Thanks, Sonny. Keep it easy. You got it. And, folks, that's going to do it for us here on Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark. Next week we'll bring in some more guests. We tried to get in Sean Ponder's guy, but we couldn't, uh, were unable to make connection with him. So we'll try again try to get one of Sean Ponder's guys on, talk a little bit about that. We'll also get another owner and another player, and we'll try to make a little more focus on the North this week to make it fair. I will bring in one, uh, one uh, guest from the South, uh, that being Sean Ponder's team. The rest will focus in a little bit more on the North next week on Inside the CIF. Enjoy all seven games today. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Don't miss out on it. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.